0: This podcast contains occasional rude words and possibly some very wrong concepts, so you have to blame yourself for listening, and we hope you have a laugh. G'day, it's the Moon Man here, Lawrence Mooney. Did you ever have a childhood dream denied, but can live with yourself because at least you tried? Check out this podcast, Saturday Afternoon Fever, with Matthew Hardy and myself, where we remember... What we were like as naughty kids, terrible teenagers and young, drunk, idiot adults.
1: The Nudity. <laughs> is, that, is that an ABC drama?
0: The Nudity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. If it was an ABC cop drama, no, the... It'd be next on the ABC... Nudity, the crime drama starring Rebecca Gibney. (laughs) (laughs) Who does he play for? (laughs) The
1: the Nudity, which is a subtitle within Chapter 22. My streak down the main road on Brownlow night revived the adrenaline rush I'd experienced when Helen D'Amico ran Starkers onto the MCG in 1982 during the grand final.
0: That was amazing. It was a turning point for... All young men in 1982.
1: I can't believe it. I thought I was going to get in trouble because I was seeing a, a bush attached yeah. to a grown woman and running around in a public place in front of 100,000 people on a grand final day. Wow. It was incredible. It was almost like a dream. It was like a... It was like a It's like one of your classic wet dreams on a bus, but it really was happening in (laughs) actual life. Anyway, back to the book. Just as a childhood experience of fire apparently inspires many an adult arsonist, I seem to have been influenced by that earlier event when the streaker ran onto the ground. Uh, It couldn't have just been exhibitionism because I was ashamed of my skinny frame. So somewhere along the line, I still became a streakaholic. My brother Simon's Bucks night, conducted while mum and dad were still overseas, had concluded at seven in the morning at Caulfield Racecourse, even though it started at our parents' house in Glen Waverley. <laughs> Reeling out of Derby's night spot, we'd decided it would be a great idea to watch the thoroughbreds being put through their paces. But the track was empty. Simon and I had stayed the distance throughout the evening, along with one other survivor, Dick Peddle or Richard Peddle, the middle pedal brother, the aforementioned uh, local trio of... Uh, Troublemakers and top blokes. Anyway. Uh, what a name, Dick Peddle. Yep. Yeah, great man. Anyway, uh, great that father. Great man. So uh, Dick Peddle was a chef, a former student at Sindal Tech like me, and certifiable madman. He challenged us to a naked sprint down the straight uh, at Caulfield Racecourse.
0: So we how se- did you get into the racecourse?
1: Jumped the fence. Right. Drunk as 10 men. We selected a place on the last corner, disrobed, and we were off. Picture the scene. Sunday morning, Caulfield Racecourse. The sun's shining. Three grown men. Drunk as skunk, sprint naked down the straight after a solid night's drinking. As we reached the halfway mark, a racket started somewhere above us. Tradesmen were working silently on the grandstand and started clattering their tools against the girders. Have a look at this, we heard from on high. I've heard of the, I've heard of
0: the cox plate, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> that is a great call.
1: <laughs> Two years later, I went with a bunch of other blokes to watch a mutual mate in a District Cricket Association final. And if you're not into cricket, that's the level at which if you if you uh, play well, you get picked for the state team, You know, in mm. this case, Victoria. And if you play well there, you're an Australian cricketer. Anyway, Victorian players are plucked from these teams, so it was a top-class contest. University versus Carlton. Uh, Carlton was batting on the final day and had been stonewalling all afternoon, slowly sapping the strength of Josh Marquette, our opening bowler mate.
0: So, of course, if you played district cricket or, you know, for one of those clubs and you also played... VFL slash AFL football, you are an absolute legend. Especially very few went on to represent Victoria and play AFL football. But, you know, I think um, Craig Bradley was a district cricketer, wasn't he? Or was he a state cricketer? Uh, Well,
1: I think he he comes into the story here. Um, Oh, hello. Back to the book. The game was at the Junction Oval. It was my first visit there since I'd seen Bernie Quinlan kick the ton for the Roy boys, Fitzroy. And this, combined with the maudlin effects of one too many beers, brought back... Fond memories. Sick of waiting for one team or the other during this game of cricket to grab the match by the scruff of the neck, I snapped out of my melancholy mood and decided to stir things up a bit. Craig Bradley, Carlton Football Club star recruit from Port Adelaide and also a top-quality cricketer, was at the crease as I sprinted across the pitch without a stitch on. The crowd. You've (laughs) streaked
0: to the cricket match. The crowd.
1: The crowd, and there was one for district cricket in those days, especially the final, went wild. I jumped back over the fence on the other side of the ground and ran for the safety of the nearby park. Puffed out and pumped full of freedom, I pulled my board shorts back on, which I'd carried across the pitch in my fist, (laughs) lay on a bench, got my breath back, and passed out. In the next over, unbeknownst to me, university took two quick vital wickets and went on to win the match later on that afternoon. I was sent for, the lucky mascot. A week-long free beer celebration led to Luna Park, where I was at it again, this time getting out of my seat on the ghost train in the middle of the ride and standing in the dark, corners by the skeleton that lit up as each carriage rounded the corner. Naked? After, yeah, after the part where you'd feel the f- spider's legs tickling the top of your head, people in the oncoming cars were terrified not by the, just the lit-up skeleton, but my bare ass instead. <laughs> <laughs> These antics were always unplanned, but always based on inebriation. In time, my uh, desire to undress at public venues declined. Why it stopped was as much of a mystery as why it started. The final five. This is the next sub-chapter. Towards the end of the 87 season, 1987, Melbourne was marching toward the finals and their finesse-laden captain, Robbie Flower, was on fire. In the final round, the Saints were playing the Eagles in Perth on the Sunday, so on Saturday I'd gone to the Western Oval to see if the Dees could notch up the win over Footscray required to make the final five. Melbourne and Footscray, now the Western Bulldogs, along with St Kilda, formed a hopeless trio that had occupied the lower three rungs of the ladder for as long as I'd been following the game. So there was a wave of public support behind the Demons as they rushed toward the finals. The negative side of fanatically following a footy team is that you're rarely able to watch any others. While Tony Lockett was a benefit of watching the Saints every week, the burden Mm. was we never saw any of Jason Dunstall. Although I honestly believe Plugger to be the better player still was such a superb full forward himself. I'd like to have seen more of him so I could form a fair opinion.
0: That is a very good point. You go and watch the game, but you don't really watch the game. You watch your own side, forever hopeful that the ball never comes into the possession of the other side. So you miss great players, although there's ones that stick out. Like, you know, there's there is players that you would so truly admire that they kind of... They cross all diplomatic boundaries.
1: Well, yeah, Gary Ablett Senior. I mean, I remember going yeah. to a few games, um, and Chris Judd in the later days too. It just to go see, and Buddy Franklin at the moment. Um, obviously, not the past couple of years because of the lockdown, but um, they're blokes the rare the rare peacocks that you just go and watch. Doesn't matter which teams are playing, whether yours involved or not. You just go. This mm-hmm. person is a supreme, not just a football player, not just an athlete, but a supreme human. We're looking Le- at a, we're looking at a human that is, you know what I mean, just. Yeah. It, this is their particular endeavour that they excel in.
0: If you but, got to go to a neutral game and watch somebody like Wayne Carey or Lee Matthews, um, probably more Lee Matthews, and you just see him tear teams apart week after week, and then, of course, he comes up against your team and think, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> lethal. <laughs> but they used to do it so brilliantly, you
1: almost you almost didn't begrudge him anyway. Uh,
0: Dacos was like that too. Yes. You know, you'd... You'd be screaming out, kill him, and then something would come off the boot. Before people were, you know, dribbling goals at impossible angles, it was Dacos that started that whole movement.
1: Oh, what started that. He owned it. He was the only yeah. one.
0: Yes, he was the only one, but now everyone's dribbling goals.
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: The Mad Dog.
1: There's another subtitle. Uh, Muir, Robbie Muir. For some reason, this particular chapter's got a whole bunch of short chapters. Anyway... Standing room at the MCG enabled me to meet Robbie Muir, a footballer famous for his pugilistic abilities, who we've discussed briefly uh, already during this podcast. St Kilda's seconds team were playing Hawthorne's seconds team in a reserves grand final one year. I'm waiting for Hawthorne supporting mate of mine in the standing room area on grand final day when Robbie Muir rolls up, stands next to me and starts watching the game too. I pluck up the courage to introduce myself. Tell him how big a Saints fan I am and tell him how I saw the majority of the games that he played for our team.
0: And was just for a moment, I'm, I'm sure it's going to come up in the book, but uh, what what was the reception like?
1: Well, hang on. So I was okay. waiting for a mate. turns out he I'll, was – I'm
0: pulling a seat over.
1: <laughs> you haven't got a seat. Are standing?
0: I, I always stand. Today I am. That's fatigued. okay. I, I don't suffer. I at the gym yesterday.
1: Oh, yeah, and I don't suffer from gout. Back to the book. Shut!
0: (laughs) I don't suffer from gout either. (laughs) Apparently, very painful. I introduce
1: myself. Um, uh, It turns out he's also waiting for a friend. Uh, It's a dry argument. I mentioned, you know that phrase: "You get off your dad or his mates." Dry argument, meaning uh, both of us standing standing here without a drink. Um, We could probably do with one.
0: I love a dry argument. It's a bit of a dry argument when you're ironically not even arguing.
1: That's right. How about a cold can to kill some time, I say, during the halftime break? Uh, Robbie Muir says, sure. I go and buy a couple. We speak a while longer, and that first right. beer does not touch the sides. It never does. Right, especially because very soon it's going to be the actual senior grand final. So what a day that always is, right? Uh, then I realise it's official. I am drinking with Robert Muir. Yeah, that is great. And just as a recap for the people who might have forgotten or didn't hear the earlier or know, yes. episode, is that Robert Muir was a
0: fantastic uh, footballer. He's an Indigenous footballer,
1: and he um made it known that um if anybody was to uh, racially vilify him, he wouldn't hesitate in physically
0: replying. Yeah, and so his his career was truly marred by the fact that he was constantly racially vilified. Uh, he exploded. He'd be, punished, yeah, he'd be punished for responding yeah, and
1: the people who started it were never uh, disciplined in any way at
0: the time. Because there were no racial vilification laws at the time. Mind you, the AFL was at the vanguard of bringing that stuff in uh, when Michael Long was vilified by Damien Monkhurst. So as a sporting body, they were world's first with that stuff yeah. and they need to be congratulated for it. But at the time, uh, it was no open such slather. rules applied. It was open slather. He was suspended for many, many games. And also, he was uh, spoken about in disparaging terms, i.e. Mad Dog was his moniker. He was spoken about as being insane or uncontrollable. But he was a man that was just not going to put up with it anymore. And uh, we applaud him in retrospect.
1: Back to the book. After being told for the first two quarters by Robert Muir that it was my shout, I considered suggesting to him that it might be his shout sometime soon. And then I thought twice and bought two more beers again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm, I can see that thought process. I can see your face. I can see the cartoon. One eyebrow, the other eyebrow. Hmm. I'll get a couple of beers.
1: Yeah. I bought about six shots in a row here. The hero worship is starting to get watered down.
0: Anyway. <laughs> Were they still going down very easily after six beers? Oh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's grand final day. I, I often say, when my mates and I will we'll use the phrase grand final day drunk as a way to uh, describe the, the, the most drunk. drunk. The, the most yep. drunk it's possible to be. Like, you know, you might have been at a party in June and someone yep. goes, you know, how'd you end up last night? Oh, mate, grand final day drunk.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, that's good. It's like a gauge. My brother always says, uh, you know, so what do you get up to on the weekend? He goes, oh, drinking like a pirate Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> Which I immediately just see the bottle up to the, you know, you got the eye patch on and the scarf and the parrot, bottle of rum, just... (laughs) Army arties, pieces of eight.
1: Pieces of eight? Wow. (laughs) Pieces of eight. Who does he play for? (laughs) Well, it doesn't make sense.
0: I know it doesn't make sense. It was like your mum trying to get in on the joke, wasn't it? (laughs) Pieces of eight. Who does he play for? No, mum. It's got to be a, a foreign word or a long complex word or a phrase. Well, pieces of eight is a phrase.
1: So we're mocking our mothers for trying to get in on the joke. We should have been. You know what?
0: I know what you mean. But also, if you're playing footy with your brothers in the backyard and your mum comes out, she hangs out the washing and goes come on, boys, give us a kick. And you go, oh, really, Mum? Yeah. And then she slams it onto the slipper that she's still wearing. It just ends up in a tree.
1: Well, well, what about that time I told you earlier in this podcast where Mum said, yeah. uh, can I have a bowl? And I was, and she was bowling me, you know, just flat-out lollipops and I was blocking them back cur- c- courteously. And then she just put one right in the perfect spot and I slammed it. I slammed it and she plucked her left out and caught the thing. thing. <laughs> I was half furious and half tearful with glee that she was so excited. She almost f- lifted into the air with adrenaline. Yeah. Just well, this instinctive like pluck, like a like a like a frog a with its out. tongue grabbing a fly. Oh,
0: Incredible I love like that catch. when You see a bit of uh, sporting prowess from a parent you don't expect. Like when your mum chases you and all of a sudden she's got a bit of toe
1: oh yeah and
0: and just her natural pace cracks you up to the point yeah. where you can't move because you're laughing too hard imagine oh, being a bit Bed- tracky imagine
1: being like Kathy Freeman's kid or Betty Cuthbert you'd get a
0: <laughs>
1: get a surprise wouldn't you during chase
0: kid and you shape up and all of a sudden back 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 well that's right you're the heavyweight champion of the world
1: chapter 23 well, this is a good one, Lawrence. Are you ready? I'm glad you've taken the seat. Okay. The Wagga Wogga Adventure. Now, can I just go back
0: and ask where you were watching the grand final? What grand final it was?
1: Uh, well, I can't remember. I think it was about 91. It was when St Kilda played Hawthorne in the Reserves grand final. Right. Um, oh, so uh, it was
0: the only one at AF- uh, VFL Park?
1: No, no, no. This is at the MCG. Standing room at the MCG.
0: The 91 grand final. All right. Well, it might have been 90. Which was Hawthorne 89. West Coast. 89 then. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: But, you know, not many other people apart from us two, probably even the guys who played in that game, are talking about the St Kilda Hawthorne Reserves Grand Final. And,
0: of course, you wait for the actual Grand Final. Yeah. It's a yeah.
1: curtain raiser, as they say.
0: Mm. Chapter 23. I remember, 23. Sorry, I remember Essendon. Uh, it was an Essendon Grand Final, and uh, Essendon were playing Collingwood in the Reserves, and Ronnie Andrews was at the end of his playing days and played them out with the Collingwood Reserves. Yeah, that was weird, Rotten Ronnie. Yeah, in a Collingwood jumper, and no other Guernsey would have inspired more animus and just animus. Just, is that is that the
1: abbreviation of animosity?
0: Yeah, it's the it's the it's the root word. But what the word I'm looking for is animus or just killer instinct than a Collingwood jumper, and then to see him in a Collingwood jumper is like, oh, there's no rules anymore. All all belief systems are gone. Okay, that'll do us, Lawrence Mooney, for today. I am having a ball, so uh, please join us on the next episode and tell your friends. Bring some friends along. Thanks for joining us. Okay, if you haven't given us a rate and review, now's the time. We're counting on you. Ample. (laughs) Hear, hear. Is this thing on? Yeah, that's on. Don't touch her.